You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. I expect pre-show ritual. <laughs> pre-show ritual is yeah. you messing up your microphone. I have to break the wing nut on the mic that has constantly given me trouble every ever since we really moved into the new studio. Here we go, Pod Diva again. Sorry that this isn't your, you know, ESPN seven thirty digs yeah. with all of its accoutrement because it's a studio of luxury over there at 7 30 the game yeah excuse me i'm sorry i did i tried to put a pillow in your chair you to did make your chair a little bit it more does feel a lot better but it's not enough it's never enough for the pod diva if you don't mind fixing the mic for the next show that we do in here i appreciate it i was going to start off the show before i broke the wing nut once again that you were the one acting weird where it was it was me on thursday the last pod that we did it was me acting weird off of mm-hmm. a weird coffee headspace that i was in but now it's you who's acting abnormal heading into the studio singing a lot more than usual and for those who don't know Doug is somebody that constantly has a song in his head constantly singing bouncing around from tune to tune it is a lot more than usual today and I'm a fan it always makes me laugh I'm not one that hates it it's just been a little bit different here today do you feel different today are produ- you on a producer, coffee high producer Katie well I'm always on a coffee high but uh, producer Katie hates it but yeah listen it's a jukebox up there in the old noggin. Just stick a quarter in my pocket, and I'll play you something. Yeah, I'll do that later just to get a different song in there. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> see, see what's going on. I'm, I'm down to at least try it. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail and Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH. We apologize for not doing the show on Friday. We told you the studio went up in flames. Nick Denning told us that that was impossible to do a show on Monday if the studio did go up in flames. So we appreciate his astuteness to paying attention to the tweet as so but i did say in the tweet that we would repair it so it is repaired we're doing the show we also got some content from nick denning who tweeted us a kevin o'connor tweet that mentioned kimball walker possibly being deflated after marcus saul not coming over to the charlotte hornet so i want to get to that later on in the show sga miles bridges talk a little bit on twitter after sga's really impressive game four in Golden State, I believe. No, it was in L.A., but it was game four in their series with Golden State. So we'll talk a little bit about the rookies. But also, I told you last week that we'll get to the player evals, and we'll start going through that over the next couple of weeks. That'll probably take us, I don't know, two and a half weeks or so. A lot of guys on contract for James Borrego. So we're pretty much going to draw a random name out of a hat and go with that player. So last year, we basically went down the significance of each player. Kimba Walker was first last year. Now we're pretty much just going to go random. And Tony Parker is somebody we decided to land on. So let's get down. Last year also, we broke it up into past, present, and future of each of the players that we talked about. And so I think we'll probably do that again this year. future, the year 2000. So Tony Parker is somebody that comes in with a very decorated past. Tony Parker has a couple championships to his name, played with one of the best dynasties that we've ever seen. Watching the San Antonio Spurs constantly be in contention, at least for a finals run, with a bunch of different guys. We got old Timmy D, young Timmy D. We got David Robinson 
a little bit of the first two championships that they won. Manu Ginobili <laughs> comes in. So why did he come here? I don't know. <laughs> he wanted to play, and Pop said it's time to move on to Derek White and DeJounte Murray. Murray got injured, but we did see him do the between-the-legs dunk, I think, the other day. And Derek White is just balling in that series against the Denver Nuggets. I love good... Derek White, by the way. Uh, how, how can you not? He was so awesome. I really that This was uh, during a time when the Hornets were just shoveling out second-round picks like it was water on the sinking ship but I really wanted them to invest some draft assets into getting Derek White because I believed that he would be a very good point guard and so far he is showing that I am a draft genius yeah you are a draft genius Doug Branson is the best that we have out there and it certainly looks like all of your expectations of him at least through the first two seasons have come to fruition it's a story I've told a couple of times because Borrego mentioned it at the beginning of the year in the coaches meeting that he had with the media that Derek White was somebody they sent down to the G League. He got a lot more confident once he came back, and they noticed a different swag about him. And I think we can attribute that a little bit to how you've seen Dwayne Bacon and Devontae Graham grow a little bit. Certainly not at the level of a Derek White and what he's done in the postseason. You get better coaching with Greg Popovich, even though we have a piece of that pie. We have a disciple of Greg Popovich here. We understand he is maybe the GOAT. I think he's the best coach of all time, and it's certainly up for argument. But James Borrego being somebody here that can help you the same way that a pop and that Spurs coaching staff did with a couple of their young guys. And so now you're looking at Devontae Graham and Dwayne Bacon. We'll get to those evals later on, but maybe you can look at that and that can be something that you can use as evidence for why these guys might have a successful future. Tony Parker also comes to the Charlotte Hornets because James Borrego, a part of the Spurs franchise, comes to Charlotte and he promises Tony playing time. And we can remember some of the comments from Tony Parker before the season even started. He didn't want to start his coaching career yet. He didn't want to be the player coach where his only role was sitting on the bench, mentoring guys, and getting a little bit of run here and there. And I think the Spurs coaching staff at the time was very upfront. Look, we're going to move on. We've got DeJounte Murray. We've, we've got Derek White. These are two guys that we drafted because we know our time with you is short. I think we're just going to go ahead and move in this direction. And I think both parties left on good terms. And so he decided he wanted to play with Charlotte. Charlotte desperately needed him. It was a brutal last couple of seasons with backup point guards. Having Michael Carter Williams be awful. Ramon Sessions the second go around. It was not fun. So the Charlotte Hornets really needed a backup point guard. And Tony Parker, I think, served that role very well. Didn't play a whole lot down the stretch. Once they decided to go to the young guys themselves... But Tony Parker, just looking at the past and how he got here, I think overall a very successful season what he gave the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, absolutely. Both in terms of his production on the floor uh, in the games that he was available to play, because even, even still, the Hornets promised him playing time, but even still it was clear that they were trying to preserve him a little bit for a potential you know, late-season run or playoff run. But in those moments that, that he was able to get out there, he was – not only a serviceable backup for Kemba Walker, I mean, he helped really bring a second unit that, uh, for, despite you know having him on the floor, was a disaster at times. I mean, he was really the the solidifying force on that second unit. They needed him. That, that's why they ran him so much in the fourth quarter alongside Kemba Walker. He was one of the better decision makers out there. It, it's amazing to see at a, a guy at 36 years old still be able to get to the cup like he did. It's impressive. 
No, Tony got to his spots. I swear to God, Tony Parker did a better job at getting to his spots than almost anybody on the team. And that maybe even be including Kimba because he's just got more spots. Tony's spots are a lot more limited, but Tony still got there. Love the elbow jumper and would make you pay if you didn't put a hand in his face. And so Tony getting to the rack at 36 years old, being able to get to his spots, be able to be productive offensively, shooting at a pretty high clip, 46% for Tony Parker. Not great from three, but he's never been a good three-point shooter. And all this, by the way, Doug, coming off of an injury where he had a bad season the year prior. You know, 7.7 points per game. The percentage was at about the same, but still just not getting as many looks as he did previously. This was somewhat of a a bounce-back year for Tony, even though it might just be his last one. Well, he was able to influence defenses, right? And that's something that they haven't had at the point guard position before Tony for several years, since Jeremy Lin, really. A player that could come in and really pull defenses left, right, and down. He was able to do that with his with his driving ability something that I think he was unable to do in that final season that he had with San Antonio so the president future kind of enter at the middle of the Venn diagram here you know we don't know oh man okay now there's a Venn diagram there's past present and future there's a lot going on here Walker (laughs) I'm sorry I'm just I'm trying trying to look at these mock drafts oh man there's so many mock drafts what are you doing looking at mock drafts (laughs) we're talking about Tony Parker mock draft season baby everybody's got an opinion on I have to do this enough already on sports radio with the NFL (laughs) draft this week and now we're looking at mock drafts for the NBA and we're talking about Tony Park. We've got enough time to get to the mock drafts later on. All right, but this one is from the sportsdaily.com. That doesn't mean baby. anything to me, Doug. Yeah. I kind of want to know who is it. <laughs> who do we get? 12 who do we get? To the Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> April 22nd, 2019. Okay, I know. I understand the date. Thank you. Nikhil Alexander Walker right. from Virginia Tech, I, I baby. Could, I couldn't help it. I really did want to know. Once you brought it Woo. up, I wanted to know. Can we get back on Tony Parker? Do we have to break down Nikhil Alexander Walker? I mean, that's the future. You do talk, we even you talk about the, the film future? on him? Like, that's do we even future. have any information on him so far? Like, how much are we able to talk about him? Uh, as a sophomore, he had over 40% from three. You got the stats up already. Just I mean, Listen, shoot, score, defend. That's all you need, baby. That might be a guy that you do need to replace, Tony Parker. Yeah, there we go. That's the that's is that I the segue? That's what I should have said. It's what you should have said, Segway. or you should have just bounced off of my Tony Parker conversation rather than go to mock draft season. I'm going to try to keep you well, on track here today. I'll say that Tony Parker represented uh, this fact that they they thought to get to the playoffs and to be successful in the playoffs, you needed leadership at that point guard position. You needed a playoff experience at that backup point guard position. And, you know, they decided not to go young and draft a point guard. Well, they did draft a point guard. They just swapped that pick, so they they did not draft Well, they drafted one in the second round, Devontae, yeah. Yeah, but that was certainly a look-to-the-future kind oh, of sure. thing. Whereas if you draft a point guard that high in the, in the sure. draft and Gilgis Alexander, then that guy's going to expect minutes. Sure, and they didn't, and they traded him, and they did get Devontae Graham, and now you kind of like Devontae Graham and what he's given you as a second-round selection. So Tony Parker, does he come back next season, Doug? I don't think so. I think this this all seems like it's trending towards the Charlotte Hornets doing some kind of reset. Yeah. They may be just good enough to kind of hang around the ninth, 10th seed, but it looks like they're going in some kind of direction where they would reset. Now, the Hornets have the option to keep Tony Parker if they'd like. That's the that's the name of the game, but I think Parker would choose to just retire at that point. If Tony Parker does not mind playing for the Charlotte Hornets next season, then we should keep him. 
And I say that because I have seen some opinions out there that they think it's just better to get off of Tony Parker. No, just don't even bring him back. Save the five million. I have no problem because, again, considering that it's probably going to be a reset of some kind, as we just mentioned, having a veteran like Tony Parker be a guy that is your player coach, if you will, I think makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, but he was okay being a player coach, or he was okay being a sort of a coachish voice in the locker room to younger guys like Devontae Graham and Dwayne Bacon because the team had an intention to compete. I think he would be less interested in, in offering up anything next season if this team was in no position. Oh, that's why I prefaced it with if he wants to come back and play for the Charlotte Hornets. I'm not disagreeing with any of that. I don't think Tony Parker wants to play for the Hornets. I don't know why you would. I think he would want to if he plays. If he doesn't want to just hang him up, if he plays, he would have to look. At Free it. trip to France. Yeah, that's the only thing you got going for you <laughs> if you're staying with the Hornets considering Kimba Walker leaving. If, fly, if that listen, is the case, I, flights to Europe are expensive. If if that's the case, that would be the only thing that you have. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I don't know why I've said it this whole time. Tony Parker is probably not going to come back to the Hornets. You would have to look at another team that is seriously contending for a playoff spot. I'm saying I'm addressing some of the tweets out there that it seems to me some people would just want to move on from Tony anyway, and I don't think that would be smart. If Tony wants to stay here, I don't think he will. I don't think he wants to. I'm saying if he were okay to stay here, you pick up that option and you allow him to be a mentor to Devontae Graham, who, by the way, has said a million times how much Kimba and Tony Parker have meant to him in his development in his rookie year. I'd keep him if he wants to, but you're right. He probably doesn't. Are you in your car a lot, driving to work, driving the kids around? If you have a smart device in your car, and more and more of you do now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say play Locked On Hornets and make drive time LOH time. We'll get to a Kevin O'Connor treat tweet treat as well about Marcus All. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm a fantastic Googler. I'm bad at logging in. If they were to do sort of a scouting report of, of me and my ability to use the internet. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah, I, Excellent Googler. Not a very good guy that's logging in. Very yeah. good at interrupting the host anytime he's trying to go on a rant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I think we were all pretty emotional trade deadline time when the Hornets were rumored in a lot of different trades. You had Zach Lowe telling everybody that the Hornets would be interested in a Marcus All. You had Mark Stein mentioning that the Hornets and the Grizzlies could get something done pretty soon. I think maybe it would have been Mark Stein as well who mentioned the Hornets' interest in Harrison Barnes. I don't know what reporter said that, but I know that the Hornets were interested in Harrison Barnes. And apparently that wasn't able to go down after they decided to make a trade really with the Kings and get Justin Jackson as I think the biggest value piece in that trade coming back to Dallas. So you had a couple of these trades where the Charlotte Hornets were rumored, hey, we're in on this. We're trying to make this roster better. And presumably you would think it would be to attract Kimba Walker to staying here another season. And so we've seen the playoffs. The Toronto Raptors look good. After game one, DJ Augustine hits that game-winning three. They fall 0-1 to the Orlando Magic, but it's been all the Toronto Raptors since then. They now have the 3-1 lead over Orlando, and Marcus Gasol has contributed. And Kevin O'Connor of the, of the Ringer, he tweeted out, quote, it's no wonder why Kimba Walker was, quote, deflated when the Hornets didn't trade for Marcus Gasol. 
Mark Gasol is still awesome. He's dominating the Nikola Vucevic matchup. Gasol is still doing it all, hitting threes, facilitating, playing stonewall, stonewall post defense, protecting the rim, rebounding. And it's the thing that he quotes deflated for Kimba Walker. Not getting Mark Gasol that I think has to catch your attention, and we appreciate Nick Denning for sending this in to us to discuss because I do think it's important. It is interesting. You know, you wonder if you're the Hornets and you look at this in hindsight, I still don't think you make that deal. You know, I talked about it during the trade deadline. I probably would have lightened the protection on a first-round pick and sent it that way because you you have shown your number one interest was trying to retain Kimba Walker for next season. But also, if you get Mark Gasol, you probably would have made the playoffs. At least I would bet so that they'd make the playoffs. It'd be close. And then that would attract Kimball Walker to possibly being here. But there were risks. I mean, you don't want to get rid of future assets. Apparently, it would have taken a first-round selection, a definite first-round selection to go over there that would convey. And then it might have taken a Malik Muck. So I'm cool with Mitch Kupchak saying no. It would have been fun to have Marcus Gasol, and everybody wants their team to be involved in NBA trade deadline time. I get all of that, and I was even one of them. But I think even in hindsight here, I'm cool with them not making the trade. It's just the Kimball Walker was, quote, deflated thing that gets your attention here. Yeah, I think if the Hornets were able to sort of move a, a ton of salary that was going to be around their necks at the time, I would have been comfortable with them making a move to bring in Barnes or Gasol. But it was the sort of the future asset thing that was the most concerning because, honestly, the Hornets have been – they've been spending years and off-seasons and trade deadlines trying to unravel – the sins of the past and to make runs at the first round of the playoffs. And for three years now, they've been unsuccessful at doing it. And it's resulted in weird stuff like Miles Plumley, weird stuff like Dwight Howard, weird stuff like Bismack Biombo. And whether or not Marcus Gasol would have worked out or not, we just don't know that for sure. But it would it would have just been one more in a line of moves by this organization to try to make a first round of the playoffs and and not really be that concerned about the overall future of this franchise. Marcus All, maybe it was overstated by Kevin O'Connor. Now, I think he probably would have more numbers with the Charlotte Hornets, but with the Toronto Raptors, it's not like the numbers are staggering here. So the first game against Orlando where they lost, Gasol did put up 13 points, shot 55% from the field. The next few wins that they were able to get, nine points on 60%, nine points on 66 two points, just one field goal made in this game that they won last night or yesterday, I should say MVP. Yeah, it's, I think the numbers are better with the Hornets because he's just a more valuable piece. You know, he's not better than Kawhi Leonard. You know, he wouldn't be better than Kimba Walker, but Marcus all is the second best player on that team. You know, he's not better than Pascal Siakam, who is awesome. He's so much fun to watch. He's not better than Kawhi, not better than Pascal. And there's a, a lot of players that are about Marcus Gasol's value. And it's why the Toronto Raptors are so damn good. And I wonder how much better Marcus Gasol's defense is allowed to look in mm, Toronto sure. when, when he's surrounded by so many great Yeah, athletic. by Siakam and Leonard, they, they might help you out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So put him on the Charlotte Hornets, and all of a sudden I think things are viewed a lot differently, and I think KOC would view Marcus Gasol a lot differently if he were in Charlotte. I still think he would have been the second best player. I, I just think you're right about that. The numbers would have been better. Maybe the defense wouldn't look as good, and the Charlotte Hornets certainly needed a lot 
better defense than what they had this season because offensively a lot of the times it really wasn't the problem yes they needed some other guys to score but I think Jeremy Lamb gave you some consistent scoring it's defensively they needed to come up with stops and they just weren't able to do so I don't know if Gasol would have helped you a ton he did get four steals in each of game two and game three but again I think that's a great point it helps when you have Siakam and Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green by the way Danny Green is a tremendous defender having all three of those guys, it just makes you buy into the Toronto Raptors even right. more when is you hear one all those player, names, Is ridiculous. one player going to really make a difference? I think that's the, the the overall, the looming question hanging over the Charlotte Hornets or hanging over them and Mitch Kupchak at the time that the trade deadline was coming, and how much do you want to sacrifice for one player? Does it make a difference in getting in the playoffs when they had that scenario at the end? Because that's fair to question to me. And in fact, I would say yes, I think. I think Marcus Hall probably gets the Hornets in the playoffs. It's close, but you're right. I, I think it's fair to question how much does one player really help. I think it probably helps them get into playoff contention enough to where they're actually in, I should say. Yeah, well, and honestly, I think we have to look back on this, and this is tough to say because we have to make an opinion now, but I think you have to look at this like three or four years later and and evaluate, hey, would, would, was that one playoff trip really worth it? No, I'm with you. Well, especially... It's all about Kimba. Yeah. It's all how Kimba views it. You know, was a playoff berth going to be enough to keep Kimba Walker in Charlotte? And if so, then okay. Is that really a good thing for the health of the franchise long term? So complex. No, was it yeah. good? And it and it's why and it's why I was cool with him holding on to the future assets and not giving him up to get Marcus All here. It's why that I'm not angry, even though it's always fun when your team is involved on the deadline. It's always fun. But then when you look at it, well, unless you just make some awful trade, of course, but you get what I'm saying. And now Marcus all not coming here to the Hornets, not giving up future assets. I think it's OK. And I, I think if we're not talking about Marcus all, if we're talking about a player that the, the Charlotte Hornets had an opportunity to bring a player that was a little younger and had a contract that was a little bit more long term. Because he, he, his contract would end. You're right about that. Then, then all of a sudden, it's a different story, right? Because then you're allowing Mitch Kupchak to build the team of the future. But, I mean, you can't blame the guy. It's, you know, it's his first year. He wants to build a team. And you're asking him, hey, go out and give up all your, your tools, give up all your toys, and bring this guy in. I'm glad. I'm, honestly, I'm glad he refused it. It's, it looks better now, even though it would have been fun to see Marcus All and Kimba Walker, I think, pair up together. I think... The post passes out to Kimba would have been a lot of fun having him facilitate in the middle of that pain. I, I would have liked to have seen the basketball part of that, but it probably is better not to get rid of any of your future assets. Maybe if Malik Monk was the guy, then maybe you rethink that. But I told you, it, that certainly would not be for pennies on the dollar, as I've been suggesting you should not do. But it's interesting. Kimba Walker deflated, as and Kevin Charlotte, And you said. have to remember, too, Charlotte really had, in my opinion, they had zero leverage at the trade deadline. I mean, they were going to have to give up significant Well, everybody assets. knew. Everybody Everyone knew what knew. they wanted yeah, to do. Exactly. We've been hearing these reports for years where they've been putting <laughs> these players out here. Hey, Nick Batum. Hey, Michael K. Gilchrist. What? Hey. <laughs> and, and teams have been going, But no. what if I said Nick Batum? No. Time? So that's what's been <laughs> happening. They had no leverage. So whatever you think the Charlotte Hornets were going to give up at the trade deadline, you probably double that.
And that's what they were actually going to give up. You were going to hear, you were going to see the little graph on ESPN and want to vomit in your mouth a little well, bit. Well, something Bobby Marks even disputed that there was really any real traction made between the Grizzlies and the Hornets. And I think maybe Sean Devaney said the same thing, that there was never really any real traction. Because remember, when Nada and I were hosting the show, we made Bobby Marks and Sham Sharania have some beef. Because we don't even know, there was a couple people that didn't even know if there was real traction gained between the Grizzlies and the Hornets on a deal. So we don't even know how close it was to being done, which means that Kupchak would have having, would have had to give up a lot more, and it makes you even all that more happy that they ended up not executing that deal. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're, if you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We'll talk a little bit about the playoffs next. It's Locked On Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. 10, Al Jefferson. 9, Anthony Mason. 8, Gerald Wallach. 7, Baron Davis. 6, Del Curry. 5, Glenn Rice. 4, Muggsy Bogues. 3, Larry Johnson. 2, Alonzo Mourning. Nice. Number 1, top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. Thank you, everybody. The list is done. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We've been stealing a lot of content from NBA pundits today, and I apologize zero. I'm absolutely fine with it. We'll head back to the well of Bobby Marks, who tweeted out just yesterday, quote, the play of Shea Gilgis Alexander is a reason why I was critical of Charlotte the night of the draft, parentheses, swapping number 11 for number 12 and receiving two future second round picks. He said SGA would have been a nice insurance policy based on the pending free agency of Kimba Walker. Doug SGA was phenomenal yesterday. Yeah, I was critical of Bobby Marks on the night of the draft. <laughs> I think a lot of people were. Boy, that touch screen did not do him any favors. Love he looked scared to death. Love you, Bobby. He's better now. He's gotten better. He has been better. That was and his rookie, rookie campaign. And he's always been good on radio. He's always been good podcasting. Just the visual. I think the camera freaked him out a little bit, and I think you could see how freaked out he was. It happens. When you get in front of that camera, sometimes it does freak you out. It did happen with Bobby. So he does say that he was critical of that. SGA would have been a nice insurance policy if Kimba Walker does leave. Now, SGA, I think he had 26 points against the Golden State Warriors yesterday, had a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists, shot with a good percentage, even hit a couple of threes yesterday. Good percentage from beyond the arc. And in that first quarter, he was phenomenal. I think 14 points, something like that in the first quarter. And defensively, very active. Bothered some people out there on the perimeter. Everybody was falling in love with SGA. And Clay Thompson, it was a weird one-on-one battle. We got Clay Thompson versus SGA. Both were doing a lot for their teams at the time. And that brought a lot of tweets out. And it seemed like that brought a lot of Hornets fans' tweets out because the Hornets drafted SGA. And everybody can remember how much in love I was with SGA. Everybody's angry at me still that I liked SGA so much more than Miles Bridges. But I'll say this. As Doug shakes his head, apparently he was angry with me as well. Miles Bridges did outperform my expectations this season. I really like Miles Bridges. I think this is a guy that's going to be able to help this basketball team for a while. And I think he's the second best prospect since Kimball Walker, right? I can't, I can't think of anybody else that would be better that you even come close to, really, that's better than what Miles Bridges can provide for this team. He won a starting position on this team. He did not get a starting position on this team via injury and then keep it. I mean, he convinced the coaching staff 
that he was prepared for a starting role and then backed it up by having a really good post-All-Star break run. He still didn't play all that many minutes until they no. went to the young guys. And he struggled at first, but he he stuck with it, and I think by the end he was a, a big-time contributor. Look, they could have gone to MKG, and in your point, they went to Miles Bridges. That's they, right. They, they could have choice. gone to somebody else. I think a lot of that was to break Nick Batum and Jeremy Lamb up. I think a lot of that was to get Jeremy Lamb, his own team, where he was the leader, and to get somebody away from Nick Batum, which, is why, now. <laughs> which is why a lot of people had problem with Nick Batum because this is just another time a rotation is dictated on what's best for him and maybe not the team, although maybe it was. I know we've talked about maybe Borrego should have made that move earlier, but you're right. They could have gone to somebody else and they decided to have Miles Bridges in the lineup. This is not a Donovan Mitchell Malik Monk situation. Look, I I like SGA better than Miles Bridges. I do. I know a lot of people got angry at me and I went a little too in. I was a little too bullish when we discussed that on draft night. I think SGA is going to be an awesome player. I think he's going to be better. It's not written. It's just what I personally think. Miles Bridges could pass him. He certainly outperformed my expectations this season. But this is not a Donovan Mitchell, Malik Monk situation where you obviously have somebody that's way better than one player in Malik Monk and Donovan Mitchell's case right now. Donovan Mitchell, I mean, it it seems like it's pretty easy to say he's going to be an all-star. I don't think it's crazy to say that he's got all NBA potential. Malik Monk right now, you're just hoping can be a solid role player. That has to be your hope. So this is not that. You can like SGA more than Miles Bridges and still acknowledge that it's not even close to that. Miles Bridges has some real ceiling that he can develop into, and I think you have to be excited for the rookie you drafted in the first round. Yeah, totally. Again, if you look at their post-All-Star break numbers, SGA and Miles Bridges, they are somewhat similar. In the way, and but different in the ways that you expect them to be different. Obviously, more assists, more turnovers for SGA because he's handling the ball a lot more. But Miles Bridges better from two, SGA better from three. Their effective field goal percentage over overall on the season is about the same. And then in the second half of the season, both of them improved. Uh, significantly in comparison to the, the, the first half of the season. I do not, think Shea... Neither of them have broken out as like, oh my God, this guy's an absolute must-see star. Yeah, nobody's done that. I do think Shea improved a lot the second half. And I think Miles took some nice steps. And how much of this is, oh, well, we, we are getting to see SGA on a big stage. Here, and he performed, though. And, and here's the thing. And with, I think Miles would have done the same thing. I think Miles well, we would have had so. a good series against Milwaukee, and they and both teams are probably still going to get bounced from the first round. I, I don't think Miles gives you 26, though. Like, Miles doesn't give you 26 points. I mean, how many times did he give you 26? You know, that was a career You just high. love Shea Gilgis Alexander. And this is why I can't talk about it. This is why. Oh, just put, <laughs> put Miles Bridges on a spaceship, strap him to that's one of those Elon Musk rocket cars, <laughs> and inject him, him into the sun. Just send him to Mars and let him play basketball there on Jeez Moron Louise. Mountain. What he does he got to do? He would fit well. I like Miles Bridges. I don't see people are going to get mad at me. You are getting people mad at me because I like SGA. Here's one thing I am willing to accept, though. You think of the different situations that these guys are in. You know, Shea goes to a Clipper situation where he does not have to compete for a point guard job. Miles Bridges is in a pretty decent loaded front court. Loaded as in they're all solid. You know, none of them are great. But Miles having to compete with a Marvin, with a Nick Batum, a Jeremy Lamb, a Dwayne Bacon. Like there's a lot of different guys that you're kind of putting in that same puddle. And I think there's a point to be had for Miles in that situation. That's right. SGA born with an NBA silver spoon in his mouth in Los Angeles. Miles Bridges, more the hard scrabble type. Having to dig out a starting Scrabble? position. I like Scrabble. 
Thanks for listening Is to Lockdown Hornets. Is it hard scrabble or hard scrapple? Uh, I think you said scrapple there. I think you're which, which one is it? I don't honestly don't know. I'm going to say it's the I think P- it's Scrabble. I, I, you're going peas? I can't even understand. Is this a Pam Pan situation right now? Hard Scrabble. It's two M's. Thanks for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or the Himalaya Podcast app. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with another player eval tomorrow. It's the LOH Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network.